Everything I was told, everything I learned, everything I thought was supposed to happen in a certain way isn't happening that way. That's Mayrav Zor. She's an actor, writer, and producer who makes a living being open and vulnerable on stage. But for years, she and her husband kept their painful struggle with infertility top secret. Until one day, something shifted, and Mayrav found a beautiful way to get past her silence. I think it just kind of started pouring out of me because I, I kept it in. And when I found that tool, everything just made sense. On this episode, we go deep with Mayrav about how the pressure of expectations kept her silent for almost a decade and what made her finally let it all out. We'll also hear about the extraordinary way she shared that story and the amazing impact it continues to have on hundreds of people. Welcome to The Breakout, a show about smashing through life's little boxes and forging your own path. I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. And I'm Kelly Gunther. Carrie and I are HR and talent specialists and best friends. We've spent more than 25 years helping organizations navigate change and get the best out of their people. Come on, we know change is hard, but staying the same can even be harder. On The Breakout, we prove that you can escape expectations, and best of all, we show you how. Hi, Mayrav. What did you break out of, and how did you do it? I broke out of an apparent personal silence, and I did it through utilizing my professional experience and training. Oh, I love that. What was the personal silence? Yeah, I I had been uh, going through a bunch of infertility experiences and not speaking about them because no one was around me. So clearly I was the only freak of nature. So I didn't want (laughs) to talk about that. Tell us about the story of you starting the fertility treatments and kind of what prompted it and where did it go from here? You know, my husband and I didn't realize we were having any official technical issues because again, (laughs) no one around us was talking about it. And I, you know, I grew up in the uh, American public school system where you are told from a very early age that you need to do everything in your power to avoid getting pregnant because it's so easy and it's so quick. (laughs) So it was clearly, you know, you have sex, you get pregnant. Like that's how that works. And when it wasn't working that way, it was just like, okay, are we just doing it wrong? In retrospect, a a lot of people around us were also experiencing similar things, but no one was talking about it. So we didn't talk about it either because we're like, well, everything is fine. It was a a few years. And then, you know, we realized, okay, something's not right. So um, we went to a doctor and, um, you know, she was like, oh, this is just very common. No problem. Go to a specialist. It's okay. It's quick. I'm like, okay. And went to, you know, the fertility doctor and I was kind of on this weird autopilot mode of like, okay, just take care of me. Whatever you say, I will do. I have no clue what's going on, you know, and um, I'm supposed to like stab myself now repeatedly with this needle. Okay, whatever. (laughs) But just as Mayrav was about to start fertility treatments, she found out she was actually pregnant. She and her husband were thrilled to welcome a little girl. And then after we had our daughter... 
uh, we wanted to try again. We wanted to expand our family. And, and then I was like, oh, it'll be the same thing. We have no clue what we're doing. We'll go to the <laughs> fertility doctor. We'll start the treatments. And on the day of, I won't even need to inject. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't work that way at all. I had to go through the whole thing. I had to go through it several times, did a bunch of, you know, infertility treatments and they didn't work. And then once I started on that rabbit hole of not talking about it, I guess I just got sucked deeper in. Yeah. Was it that you weren't talking to anyone about you were doing it or you weren't talking yeah. about so, nothing, so not nothing. that there was no problem and that w- fertility treatments weren't happening. I mean, this was mm. a very big, well-constructed, covert military spy operation <laughs> that we were on. Like <laughs> I made my husband not talk about it with anyone because I didn't want, you know, people to think, oh, something's wrong with them. Mm. They're doing it wrong. I didn't want, you know, the pity and I didn't want the questions and I didn't want all the shame and the guilt. And I don't know, everything that was just like, you know, stigmatized, I guess, on top of that. Where do you think a lot of that stigma came from for you? I think everything. I think the fact that first off, everything I knew about just the technical aspect of it was just wrong. Like, it's like, you know, everything I was told, everything I learned, everything I thought was supposed to happen in a certain way isn't happening that way. And moreover, uh, we have what's called unexplained infertility, which means there's no real explanation. It's not that there's like, I don't know, some sort of procedure we could do to like fix something. Everything is apparently working and then pregnancy isn't working. We had miscarriages too, which also like, as my husband would say, that the, the machine's working. <laughs> like, we, you know, it's something, <laughs> it's just something is not, you know, so plus the fact that of course, everyone around you and their pet is pregnant at the same time. And everywhere you look, there's a poster of a pregnant person or a sale for baby clothes. And then of course you have family that's like, so, you know, once you get married, when are you having kids? And once you have a kid, when's your second kid? You know, it's like, it's a constant. So everything all together. And the fact that you're not able to do something that is supposedly natural and is supposed to happen. Yep. It is that relentless expectation. I joke about this. We have one son and that relentless expectation of, so you're going to have another. It's not just an expectation to have a kid. As soon as you have one, they say, oh, they almost inhale a little bit, right? Yeah. And yeah. go, oh, well, you won't just have one, will you? Right. I mean, that's like the worst. Yeah. To have just one child. For Mayrav, keeping it quiet seemed to give her a bit more control over what was happening, but it didn't make it any easier. The fertility and that choice, lots of couples are having those discussions. And the fact that she was like, we're not telling anyone and like it is on lockdown. (laughs) I just thought, wow, that would have been much harder to do, to keep all that bottled in all the time. And that's just a lot physically on your body. Just the sort of indoctrination Early on, like in the public school system, when she said that, that you learned mm. you, you have sex, you get pregnant. And so you just automatically assume that, well, yeah, I will get pregnant. And it becomes then the expectation and the hope. Yes. If you want children that, well, how come it's not happening? And so then it's undoing all of that. I can't imagine what that must be like. Yeah, it was about, I think eight or nine years 
that we were kind of on and off uh, treatments because it was just a lot. You know, we took breaks yeah. every now and then. But then at some point we were like, okay, we're just going to drop it and just let it be. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. We're good. It was like, okay, we have a daughter and we're trying so hard to expand our family, to have another child, to have her have a sibling because it's also what we knew. We, we, we have siblings. So like we wanted that for her and we're like, well, she can't be an only child. And you know, all the, whatever, whatever <laughs> we thought we knew about only children. I don't know. We're like, okay, so we have this child and we can actually focus on that and, and, you know, relish in that and enjoy that. And, you know, she may not have a sibling, but at least she'll have a family that's, you know, there supportive, you know, together or we could keep bashing our heads against the wall and try whatever it takes, no matter what it takes, you know, a toll on physically, emotionally, whatever, and have a bigger chance of her having a sibling, but more likely of a chance she won't have a functional family, let alone maybe <laughs> parents that are even together, because like, you know, this was taking a huge toll. Not long after stopping fertility treatments, May Rav and her husband were elated to discover she was 11 weeks pregnant and then crushed by another miscarriage less than two weeks later. Mayrav still hadn't told anyone about her struggles all these years. But with this huge emotional hit, something in her finally switched. We were just crushed. It was, it was very crushing because it was also, we didn't even have time to process the, the good. And then suddenly this big, you know, slap in the face. And then after that, I think I was just such a, at, an, at a low that I was like, I guess, feeling, well, what do I, what am I actually keeping this to myself for? Like, what do I have to lose to talk to a friend, you know, about this? And Mayrav, what did you think you were going to lose before for those eight years? What did you think? Like in your head, you're like, I'm going to lose this if I tell Right. A bunch of things. Privacy. It's so personal and so raw. I mean, this is literally your insides and privates. Like this is just like... You don't want to talk about that to everyone and you don't want everyone to know. And people don't know. Even if you said, I'm going through fertility treatments, they don't know what that means. Unless you do it, you don't know what it means. I didn't want to go into explaining it. I didn't want people to keep me on a clock, you know, like, oh, how was it? When's the next one? How's it? When's the results? I think I I just didn't want to lose, I guess, um, a normal self, I guess, because I, I wanted to keep things normal, status quo, okay, just like everyone else. Like, I think that's what I wanted to to keep. And then at that point, I mean, it wasn't, you know, our first miscarriage, but it was a big one. And I was like, I just didn't understand why I put myself in a position, I guess, where I couldn't now pick up the phone and call a friend and be like, this is just what happened. Can we hang out? Well, yeah, I think that that box that you put yourself in is normal, right? This is yeah. kind of, I'm, I'm normal, I'm status quo, this isn't happening. For you to like, all right, now I got to call, you know, my friend Sally and say, hey, just for the, real quick, uh, how are you? Great. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, um, okay, just real quick to catch you up. For about the past Recap. eight years, yeah. <laughs> eight years, I've been doing a few things. Yeah, well, listen, first of all, that's a lot. It's a lot to, to tell one by one. I was like, okay, I'll talk about it. But then when I made that decision, I was like, okay, wait, I think I'm ready to talk about it, but how am I going to talk about it now? Like, what, how mm-hmm. am I going to do this? 
am I going to literally take out like a bunch of my close friends one by one to coffee? (laughs) And like, this is going to take forever until we're all on the same page, you know, (laughs) like, and then that's how I kind of, you know, came up with this thing of just like, I'm going to tell them all at once, you know, how I can, which is like, okay, theater, I could do that. And comedy. Yeah, that's how I could do that. It was like, oh, I can, I can't say this, how this happened, but I can sing it in a weird rap or I can't say how this happened, but I can use this funny character that was actually, actually there. And I invited my friends over for, um, what I think I called, um, hormones and cookies (laughs) and, um, they had no clue what they were coming to. And yeah, that's, that's what they came to. (laughs) Once I said, okay, I'll do this. I didn't like have a date yet set, but I just kind of sat down and started like, you know, sketching things out and writing and whatever. And it just, I think it just kind of started pouring out of me because I, I think I just, you know, kept it in. And when I found that tool, I could put it as a character. I could put it in a funny little sketch. Then everything just made sense. And I was like, oh yeah, and this is going to be that. And that makes sense as, you know, a rap and that makes sense as this. And, and it, and it was also funny. I mean, I didn't know if other people would think it was funny, but I was like, at least to me, I could tell it and maybe laugh. I know I won't tell it and definitely break down. (laughs) That's what I, you know, that's what I wanted. I didn't want to tell people and then have them feel like super sorry for me or have me break down in the middle or I just wanted just to be like, you know, this is how it is. How did the show then change how you saw the whole experience that you've been through and just overall your life? Like, how did it change everything for you? So that night that I had with my friends, it wasn't a show to me. It was just a night with my friends to kind of tell them what it is. I wasn't even really performing that much. I was literally sitting and clutching to a piece of paper the whole time. I was, I was really nervous. And I literally, I had them sit in front of me in my living room and I was in front, it was staged like a show. I I did it in a way that kind of set myself up to, you know, spew out this information in my way. And they were laughing and everything. And when I was done, I literally said, thank you. Thanks for coming and walked to the door and opened the door and kind of like waited for them to shuffle (laughs) out. Cause to me, I was like, okay, we're done. We're good. Right? Like everyone knows now we can go about our day and they wouldn't leave. (laughs) They were just like hanging out, eating cookies, talking about this thing. And, and I was like, why are they not leaving? And I started listening and they were talking about like, it it was bringing up stuff. It was bringing up stuff in them, like all these kind of related stories that, you know, they had experienced and people they know, but they didn't really know what that was and all these things. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And my friends were like, you have to make this one of your shows that you make. And I was like, well, I don't know, you know, you're my friends, you're interested in seeing this, but like, you know, what person would want to go to a show, pay for a ticket and watch a strange woman talk about like her vagina and (laughs) reproductive (laughs) issues. Like no one will want to see that. They're like, no, no, you have to, you have to. And and then I said, okay, you know what? I'll take it on as a challenge because I was, you know, creating shows and performing while I was going through this. I was doing it all the time, but I never did anything that was a solo show and I never did anything that was my own personal story. Mayrev worked on the show for about a year, developing that evening of hormones and cookies into a stage show called Inconceivable. She's been performing it since 2017. When it premiered, it was a huge like release in a way. I thought it was going to be just that one night I prepared myself like this is you know, amazing and, and, and we're done. But it's just the reactions that I've gotten, you know, I guess also for me, it was therapeutic and just 
having people feel what they're feeling and relate and all that, I, I just, I was like, okay, I gotta keep going. Mayrav's change is incredible, from total silence to putting it all out there. It was just the, the total 180. The complete transformation of saying it's on lockdown to, well, if I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off and I'm going to tell one friend, I might as well tell them all and be the most efficient way possible. And I might as well create a show and do it all at once. I just, I loved the, what do I have to lose? That she finally got to that point. And that was the question, like, what do I have to lose? And you're like, nothing by telling people. And just, I'm going to tell everyone in my own way that makes sense and now entertains people and gets them. It starts so many more discussions that if she just told eight people, it now is exponential, which is an amazing impact. When I was, you know, doing my show, it was very important for me to keep it light. Mm. And I think because of comedies there, it's what makes it, I think, more, I guess, accessible. It's like, it's telling people it's okay. It's okay. You know? Mm -hmm. And it's okay. It's okay to laugh in these, even these really hard times. And I think what you've touched on too, Mayrav, is just, we as women often don't talk about these things. Right. And the fact that you're doing it allows people to like, oh my God, I can. Like you said, it's a release. I can talk about it. You've made this space for it. That's just so amazing. I know I've talked on the show before too that I had a miscarriage and I want people to know about it because just like you, people didn't talk about it. And I was like, it happens all the time. It's incredible the journey you've taken from. We are literally not talking about it, including my husband. It's on lockdown, covert operation. We're going to a clinic where no one knows us, too. I'm going to do a comedy routine about it. What an (laughs) incredible transformation. I wonder, what has the impact been after, you know, doing this for four or five years? For me, it's been incredible and and unexpected and and inconceivable, uh, really. I didn't expect anything that that happened really i think the amount of first of all the therapy that i've gotten from it <laughs> i think maybe it, in I, I put myself in a position where i needed four or five years to publicly <laughs> talk about it um in front of masses of people in order to kind of get it out but i think the therapy has been amazing and professionally the you know when i saw that i could i could do a show on my own um and a comedy and something personal and I can make people laugh. And the whole journey of, of the show itself, um, you know, again, it started from something that wasn't even supposed to be a show and just going with it made it this incredible thing. I had all these amazing opportunities. I've been meeting, you know, incredible people uh, talking about all these things that I never thought I would talk about. That has been in itself beyond anything that I ever expected. And people that have seen the show, I love hearing responses afterwards because it's just also beyond what I expect. I'm, I'm going in basically for a show to tell a story and make people laugh. That's, you know, that's what I'm going in for. But when I see what it, what people get out of it, they're like, oh my God, this is my sister's story. I had no clue that's what she was really going through. Or, oh my God, this is my story. No one ever knew what this, what this meant. And, or doctors that were like, oh, I never even thought about it that way. Or I've even had people that said, you know, they were 
children of IVF and they never really understood what their own mother went through to have them. You know, these are things that, you know, it just makes it all, all the more reason to, to keep going and, and do it. Mm, so beautiful. And, you know, in the world of change, we talk about awareness as being one of the first steps and that awareness piece of is, is what you've just described is you're giving people the opportunity to really understand in a level that they may never have understood. I have a family member who's gone through something very similar and it became so depressing and it the the joyfulness of what it was supposed to be, it turned into sadness and depression and that thing that they really wanted, it it, it became something that became more of a job and a duty. But I think it was a really bold and decisive move when you talked about choosing your family as is. And so I wonder how that decision, if it was something that you really had to you know, wrestle with, if it was something that was easier than what you expected. I think it just came as we just kind of went with it because it just seemed like this is this is how we need to go. You know, this is very taxing on you on so many levels. And it wasn't like, you know, this big meeting. It was just a kind of like, you know, came to be that this made sense and we're okay. And we just, we're, we're going with that and it's okay. And, you know, my, my husband's seen the show so many times and he, he tells me he loves it every single time he gets something different. He sees something different every single time. And, um, my daughter has now seen the show, um, which is like awesome. So it's, it's interesting that it's, it's not like a decision of like, you know, okay, here we are making a decision. It's just this, this is right. This is right for us. I can't help but think about the role model that you're being for your daughter too, considering that she's seen your show and how she will have that support of you when she decides whether she wants to have a family and what that family looks like. Thank you. I think the main thing about the show that I love is that, first of all, it shows people that people are people. And as people, we all have our baggage and it's all different. Everyone has something they're going through, not necessarily infertility, of course. And everyone's going through something. It's okay. But let's be aware of that. Let's give each other some grace. Let's understand that. Let's be more tolerant of each other. I think that's a huge thing that the show shows. And also that, you know, in, in terms of what you're saying also of, of families and, and what that picture is, it's definitely not what we were taught. Families and happiness and adulthood, it's different to so many people. Each person has their own path to whatever it is they're choosing and it's okay and it's legit and it's fine. And we need to accept that. We're not all in a cookie cutter kind of family. Every family has to look like this and be like this and do this so that, you know, those questions that we were bombarded with, with, oh, when are you getting married? And when are you having kids? When you have another kid? Those aren't relevant. They haven't ever been relevant. It was just, we were caught up in this little thing that we had to live up to for some reason, but it's not that. Every person's path to their own adult happiness is going to be different. Love it, Mayrav. That's why we called our podcast The Breakout. It's for the very reason. I love it. So you have one minute with someone who is stuck and wants to break out. What do you tell them? Yes. <laughs> That's the um, yes and. That's 
a founding foundation of uh, improvisation and theater, but it's uh, I, I love using it in real life. And the irony is that I've been using it professionally and I've actually been, you know, teaching it when I was running like theater workshops, but I <laughs> never really um, incorporated it into my own life, even though I was telling people, incorporate it into your life. Yes, and. And I hadn't done it myself. So yes, and is just a basic concept that when you're on stage with a partner, just say yes, not necessarily the word, but go with it, go with the flow. Cause your point is to make the scene move forward. And you do the and, which is you add something of your own, you contribute something of your own so that you can make the scene go forward. Cause that's the purpose. Otherwise, if you negate something or you say this doesn't exist or no, then the scene dies and it's boring and you know, nothing happens. And that's true for real life. Like if you're going with the flow, things will happen and things will move forward. Even things that you weren't expecting. Whereas if you are constantly negating and saying, no, 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 then you'll stay where you are. If you say yes, then you're like, oh, okay, that's an opportunity. Yes. Oh, there's a thing. Yes. And, and I could do this and I can add this. Then you end up moving forward and doing things you didn't expect. When I finally applied that to myself, which was saying yes to, you know, speaking about my own stuff, it became this whole thing that I didn't even expect just because I, I, finally applied that to myself. And so I think that's very, very important. Um, and that's definitely relevant to break out. Well, I won't tell you about my go at improvisation. It did not go well. Let's just end it with that. However, I will horrifying, say- <laughs> horrifying story, horrifying story, Mayrav with her locked in a bathroom. <laughs> Gunther, I, if you notice Gunther, I did not bring it up. And and you did. So now that you brought it she up. She said yes. I did. She <laughs> said yes. So go ahead, Kelly. Let everyone know. I don't like surprises. <laughs> and I don't like improv. Just put those two together and it's me in a bathroom for 45 minutes locked in. That's <laughs> basically it. what happened. Yeah. But, you know, that was my that was my defining moment. And that will live in infamy. But I did bring it up because there's a beauty about being vulnerable and being able to share the things that are unique to you and make you humble and who you are. And so, Mayrav, this story and you sharing it with us, it means everything to me and Carrie and to all of our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Your journey of being silent and then creating a play based on it is so amazing. And more people just need to share their stories. And if you did that, how beautiful would life be? It would be a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know it's hard for people to, you know, talk about stuff they're going through and I'm not necessarily telling people to now create a comedy show of all of their, you know, laundry. But um, I do think that storing it in you is also not great. So whatever way to kind of express it, if it's, you know, writing a journal or a book or, or, or making art or choosing one friend to confide in or, you know, doing something that kind of gets it out there and doing that is like a yesing it. And then you'll see that it's something that is, oh, I could do more of that. Oh, I could do that. Oh, then I met this person. Oh, get, you know, like if I didn't do what I did, then we wouldn't be speaking today. It's like, you know, it's this whole thing. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you being on. We have these expectations of this is what a family looks like and that it just can look different for anyone is such a beautiful thing. And then her, just everyone has baggage and let's get through it and 
talking to others in however way you can do that, however way you get it out. But that clenching, that holding everything in, it's just not healthy. I just think she's a, just a, a tremendous advocate and role model for women in particular, especially, you know, her daughter. It's going to completely transform how she approaches everything about fertility, having children, breaking out of any box. Nice, Gunther, putting in breakout in the box. Nice job. It's like your marketing. I love it. Yeah. Yes, and. Ah, <laughs> uh, Improv Kelly. That's as close to improv as I'll get, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) If this episode inspired you or made you think, give us a five-star rating and spread the word. It helps us reach more people who just might need these stories. And don't forget to subscribe to The Breakout so you never miss a new episode. I'm Kelly Gunther. And I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. See you next time.